Okay, we'll read a few scriptures this morning, and then see what God has for us. Okay, in John 1, verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Isn't that interesting? He was in the world, the very world that, that he actually made in his pre-incarnate state. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. <laughs> he came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and his own received him not. They rejected him. How's he doing so far? <laughs> wow, what a start, huh? God and humanity. Put on humanity. Interesting. But, but, in contrast to that, the world made by him, he comes into the world that he made, they don't know him. They don't recognize him as the creator. He's nothing special. He's no one special. Don't know him. And he came unto his own, his very own. And he had perfect humanity, but nevertheless, it was humanity. And he came and uh, unto his own, his own. And how many, how many of us love to be loved and received by our own? It's very, it's a very normal, natural thing in that sense. And he came unto his own, and they rejected him. But. This is a contrast. And now he separated himself from that and said, but as many as received him, to them he gave power. Power here is the right of the privilege. That's what it speaks of. It's, <clears throat> he gave it and he had to give it to anyone who would, anybody who would receive him. And that's our privilege now at any time, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what our feelings are. And thank God today, even right now, no matter what our feelings are, they have nothing to do with our acceptance in Him. And it has nothing to do with the power that's continually available for us. Simply because God is for us. In Romans 8, verse 31, But to them He gave the right the power, the authority to become the sons of God even to them that would believe on his name. And we can receive power this morning any single time we need it because we believe in his very nature. We really believe and God continually brings us to this place where we know that we can do not a single thing without him. And we don't even have to rely on our feelings, but instantly, instantly, we can draw near to him and receive power. The very power, you think of the power that, that's readily available for us at any time. Jesus said in John 10, <clears throat> verse 17, that he had the power and the authority to lay his life down again and take it back. So literally, when he died on the cross, death did not overtake him. He gave himself over to death. 
because he has all power. And he said it again. He said it in Matthew 28, verse 18. He had all power. He said, I've given, he said, I have been given all power. Speaking in his humanity, but he said, I have been given all power. That's all power. All the power that's available in and through him is ours when we go to him whenever we need it. And even when we are weak and frail and can't even in that sense go to him and receive it, that power is still ours and the power of his love is still there waiting for us to be, and just to be gracious and to shower us with the power that we need in that area of weakness. So, but as many as to re- would receive him, he gave that right and privilege. We have rights and a privilege. We, we do. And the enemy never wants us to receive and function in these rights and privileges that we have in Christ. That's the power. We have the right and the privilege to go to him for everything. And we don't even have to hesitate. And even when we do, he's still waiting to be gracious, we've said before in Isaiah 30, verse 18. So, the beauty of it is, is that he is the only begotten son. In John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. <laughs> Do we even imagine that, that God the Father would know beforehand that the world that was going to be that was made by his son he would send into the world in his humanity they wouldn't think anything of him okay and then he would come unto his own the nation of Israel to be their Messiah to be their king to make them that great client representative nation and to win all the nations to him through their Messiah and they rejected him but yet the father still gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and he was the only begotten son. So he's the only begotten son in virtue of his deity. He's the only begotten one. He was the only one that was ever begotten of the Father, yet eternally. So we will just have to bow and accept it, that that's what it says, because if we try to even begin to figure that out, obviously we can't. But we will enjoy it, we'll enter into it, and we'll grow into it for all eternity. And then, he is the first begotten. So he's not only the, the only begotten in terms of his deity, but he's the first begotten in terms of his humanity. The first begotten son. And in that, him becoming the first begotten in his humanity, he has become the head of a whole race of people, as many as would receive him. That means, listen, do we have a need? Yeah, well, here's all power. Receive it, it's yours. All of it, it's, it's ours. Every single bit of it. And so then, there's a reason why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, he said in verse 11, For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Here's Christ. I mean, he is, he's the head of the whole race. He's the head 
of the church in Colossians 1, verse 18, and Colossians 2, verse 19. He is the head. We are the body in Ephesians 5, verse 30. And the head flowing with all power through the body to every member. And that power, again, in Ephesians 4, verse 3, has made us one with him. In answer to his high priestly prayer in John 17, uh, verse 11, verse 21 and 22, his prayers, he was facing the cross, going to accomplish what had already been accomplished in eternity, but now to manifest it in time. His prayer was that we might be one, uh, one with him through the power that we would receive. But he said that, there, Paul said that there's, con there's contentions and then he said, Now this I say, that every one of you say, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. And some would say, to the exclusion of everyone else, well, we're of Christ. <laughs> we know him like nobody knows him yet. Is that the answer to his prayer that we would be one? that as many as would receive him would receive the same power. No one would be any greater or any lesser. We would all be one in him based upon receiving something that none of us could earn. There was no status or any merit that any particular group could earn, but yet that would make them any greater. So some would say that I am even Christ. And then he said in verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? You folks, what, really what he's saying, you folks want to make something of me. You want to make the, the, the message that I have me. And it's not. The message that I have is Christ. He's ours. <laughs> he's just picked me in the unbelievable mystery of his unfathomable grace to use to present this awesome message, this awesome, glorious gospel, this really, really good news. And, you know, God has given us the right and the privilege to always function in the good news that Jesus Christ is that he brought to the earth for us. We have power. We do. And a lot of times, what he has to do with all of us is to make us weak in ourselves, so that we're in a place to receive the power that he has for us. And we've said before, in Psalm 102, verse 23, he weakens my strength. He has a lot of ways to, to allow that to happen. Uh, we can get disappointed with ourselves. And to be disappointed with ourselves was only to hope in ourselves and not in him. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And, uh, but we, we can. But what did Paul say? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And all he was saying, listen, listen. I nor any of these men are any greater or any lesser than you. There's only one name that we gather around. Only one. It's no name at all. 
Acts 4, verse 12, There's no other name given in heaven whereby men must be saved than the name Christ Jesus. Delivered means to continually, a salvation there, it means to be continually delivered. We live in a continual de- deliverance because we continue to receive power. Okay, so if we're weak, okay, fine. But we said this morning, and Gene and I were talking about it this morning. Thank God we are no different than the unsaved in one respect. We're all weak. And thank God in his mercy and his love, he reveals to us how weak we are. Some don't because they never have the light that Christ is. So they live in the darkness of the weakness without any light. That's the power we have. But God, we're all weak. But just think, if we did not have Christ, think of it. Think about what happens to us when we don't function or when we don't receive that power. What the heck? What keeps us from that when it's ours? Yet it happens to us, and he doesn't condemn us. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation. But he's waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30, verse 18. He's waiting for us to condemn us, to find a fault with us. No, to be gracious, to act, to, to really give us incredible. The power that he is, the power that he is, is ours. He's made it. He, he's not only given us everything, he's given us himself. He is our life in Colossians 3. Uh, verse 4 so he, uh, he makes us weak what happens when we don't in our weakness we don't receive then it says in Hebrews uh, 12 1 and 2 wherefore lay it says wherefore lay aside every what weight what happens to people that don't have Christ where do they have to lay the weight no place they carry it And remember in Psalm 103, verse 14, he knows our frame. He knows we're like dust. I mean, what can we do? We're dust. He knows our frame. And he knows that he, he, because he designed us to never, ever carry a burden. That's why in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, we're to cast our burdens upon the Lord. What will be the result? Why? Because he cares for us. He cares for us. He does. So in Isaiah, uh, in Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. And that means come and receive power from him. You read Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 about the power. You read it. And they're really awesome verses We'll read them, and then we'll continue to wrap this up. But Isaiah 40, this is what it says. Verse 28 says this. Have you not known, have you not heard, that the eternal, not the everlasting, the eternal God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. His pre-incarnate state. This is the one that came and died for us. He loved us so much. 
This is the one that gives us all our power. But what is he? He faints not. Did he face unbelievable suffering like no human being? Did he face rejection and pain and suffering like and his humanity like no one? Yet did he faint? He didn't faint. And he said, neither is weary. We faint, and again, there's no condemnation when we do. We get weary, and there's no condemnation when we do. But there is no searching of his understanding. We can't search it out, but we sure can receive it. There's nothing to figure out. There's everything to receive about the one who is all that figuring out we want. We want to do in ourselves. We can't. Then it says this. He gives power to the faint. God, what did we used to do when we didn't have him? We tried to do something about it, and it led to what? Well, Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He sent his word, and he healed them. Who's the word? It's Jesus Christ. Who sent him? God the Father. He sent his word, and he healed them, and what? And delivered them from all their destructions. And we've said many times, it's plural in the Hebrew. And what is the destruction? You and I and our witness trying to do something that our frame was never designed to do, and all it can lead to is sin. <laughs> That's what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. Wherefore, lay aside every weight, and if you don't, and the sin which so easily besets you, and run with what? Patience. Ooh. Is that natural? I mean, no, none of us. Seriously, there's not one of us really that understands patience that way. We're, we're all growing and we're all learning it. We do. But patience may mean that God doesn't want us. You know, we think we're so self-reliant. We think we can do certain things and even forget that it's because of him that we're even doing them. <laughs> we can lose sight of him. So he, he allows us to get weak but when we do he gives power to the faint and look and to them that have no might no power no power no ability he increases strength that's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 12 9 when I am weak I am what strong and that's why he could say to Timothy my son Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 be strong you're weak, but you can be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. In other words, my God will supply all your need. Need. Okay, it's singular, your need. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So in other words, we have, we all, we have one need. What's the need? We're weak and we can do nothing without him in John 15, 1 through 5. We can't do a thing. So, is it okay to be weak? Yes. Because, by the way, we are. There's two types of weak people. Those that don't know that they are and are, and those that are, and God lovingly lets them know, and then they have him to go to and receive power. But all those that don't know that are doing something. Sooner or later, sooner or later, it will catch up with them. 
Even the youths will faint and be weary. And the young men, young men will utterly fall. Sooner or later, you can only carry it so long. You can only carry it so long. Even in your youth, even in your strength, even in every single thing that God has given you. In other words, what he's given you yesterday is you need a fresh supply today, every day. Because sooner or later, if you're not getting that fresh supply of strength in your weakness, what, what can we do? We can only fall. But thank God when we do, we, those that are in Christ, there's some arms in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. And they are underneath the bottom of our bottom. And I'll tell you, there's times when our feelings let us know very clearly, you're at the bottom. You are at the bottom. Really? Who's underneath the bottom of our bottom holding us up? The one that created the world. The one that put on humanity to identify with us and all of our pain, all of our suffering. All of those things. I mean, he, could, he would even cry out in Matthew 27, 46, and in Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to be forsaken. He knows what it's like, not having sinned himself, but having all the sins of ours on him and to be separated and forsaken by God. He knows that feeling because of his perfect humanity. And by the way, his humanity was perfect the whole time, even though that was he became sin for us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made him to be sin for us, the sin sacrifice, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we've been given a right standing. Even the young men will utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord, key, the key be not weary in well doing Galatians 6 verse 9 be not weary in well doing for in due season you will reap that's a promise you will reap if you faint not if you don't fall back on nothing so in other words what he's saying is even in our weakest moments what what should we do fall on him (laughs) if that's all we can do he wants us to fall on him and then do what? Rest in Psalm 37, 7, and wait patiently for him. But until he does in us what we desire him to do, he wants us to rest in him while he brings us the capacity for us to receive what he's already done. So, but they that wait upon the Lord will what? They'll renew their strength. They will change. In other words, they will change. In other words, it's it's an exchange, by the way. That's what he's saying. To wait on God, because there's areas in our life where we're strong. We've said before, there's areas in our life we don't even realize that we function apart from him. And the only way to function apart from him is in weakness that we consider to be strength. And sooner or later, it's going to fall. We're going to fall because of it. But they that wait upon the Lord, it says, will change their strength. And I think it's they'll exchange it. Here, okay. You know, really what I thought was my strength is really, you know, I'm weak. Here. Come. But what do we do? But as many as receive them, should we stop? Once he's our Savior, should we, and the power that saved us, should we stop receiving from the power that keeps us? 
and First Peter 1 verse 5. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation, unto this unbelievable deliverance that we have. So they that wait upon the Lord, they'll exchange their strength for his. Joel 3.10, let the weak say, what? I am strong. Who's our strength? It's the great I am. It's Christ. He's our strength. They will mount up with wings as what? Eagles. They will run, and that's one thing. How great is it? In our experience, sometimes in our experiences, with what God has given us, the, over, the abundance of truth and teaching that he's given us, at times in our experience, it's caused us to be like an eagle. Who can fly higher than an eagle? The eagle can look directly and right into the sun and not be affected by it. And because of what he gives us in Christ, we can look right into the sun of trials and it doesn't even seem like it's anything. Wings. They're wings of an eagle. And they will run and not be weary. They'll participate in the Josh and they won't be weary. And I am not joshing anyone. I'm being truthful. And we'll see about next year. Hmm. But anyways, and they will run. And that's something to do. Is this what? You imagine flying high. That's one thing. But then they will run and not be what? Weary. But here's the one. Are we in a little short race? Does everything about us, with what God gives us in this exhilarating experience, like an eagle above everything, is that the thing that's going to sustain us? Or is it going to be him continually, regardless of my feelings, regardless of my weakness, regardless of anything about me? And then, and then I can run with that and not be weary. And I have those great days. But here's the key. They will walk. They will walk. They'll continue. They will continue and not faint. Because in Luke 18, uh, verse 1, men, all of us, should always what? Pray and not what? Faint. And to faint means to fall back on nothing. Okay? And faith means in my weakest moments... I fall on him. <laughs> I fall on him. And, you know, sometimes we think that we're supposed to do, 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 do. And really, what does he want us to do? Is to be like Mary and sit at his feet in Luke the 10th chapter and receive. Continue to receive an abundance of power. And that's what he does. He prepares us. He, he goes ahead of us, predetermining and knowing the areas of weakness that we're going to come into. But he loads us up with power even before we get there. But we still have to rely on him to receive it. And that's the only time that we can uh, receive this power. So then, as we close this up, we see in 2 Corinthians 4, it says this. But we have this treasure. Can you imagine? I mean, let's think about it. We have Christ in us, the creator of everything, who put on humanity, 
died for us and gave us and crucified our old life and gave himself as our life. By the way, that's Christianity. He's our life. He gave us his life. But we have this treasure in these little fragile clay jars. How many of us really want to be weak? Truth of the matter is we want to be strong. But wanting to be strong really is the deception of trying to live in natural strength apart from him. So he gave us this treasure, but he gave it to us in these fragile clay jars. Listen, we're fragile, these fragile clay jars. Why? Because he's going to continue to show us that the excellency of the power that we so desperately need is of God and not of us. And there's so many areas that we function in when we're not aware of it, that what we're functioning in is not of him. But he's there waiting to be gracious, not condemning us, waiting for us for that to give out because he knows it's going to give out because it's not of him. And then who's there for us? We can receive. We continually receive. The Christian life is one eternal, continual receiving. That's what it is. Okay. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. We are troubled on every side. Yeah, we really want that, don't we? Sure we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we can't even define it, by the way. We said before, because of the enemy in Isaiah 59, 19, he came in like a flood. Jeez, all of a sudden, you know, just a regular day. All of this stuff comes. Oh, my God. I can't even define it, but I know it's not good. It's like it's, it's like ne- negative, but I can't define it. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. Can't figure it out. Nope. But not in despair. In other words, we're not altogether without help or without a means can you imagine all those that are weak but don't have Christ? It can only lead to them sinning, trying to do something about it. The pain, the misery, all these things. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Does that sound like anything that Christ might have gone through in his perfect humanity? And him by, go, him by him going through it, he would be available because remember, when he came, he came as the Son of God pertaining to his deity. But through what he did, going through all of this, and, and right through death, up into resurrection life, he became the Son of Man by being the first begotten of the dead. He went right through it. And not destroyed. Not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You ever wonder why certain things happen to you? Well, well, we're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, 
that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And I'll stop and then I'll just read the way that I, I wrote this down. I forget the exact source where I got it from. But when it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, this is what it says. We are troubled on every side means that they're crowding enemies. They're pressing in from every side and yet not crushing us because the angels of heaven cleared the way just wide enough for us to get through. Just wide enough. The literal translation is we are crowded on every side but not crushed. And so he, sa he sends his angels and just opens up enough space for us to get through. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, is one whose way seems utterly closed, and yet he is pressed through. He's pressed through. There's light enough to show him the next step. We're perplexed. But that perplexity is not unto despair. It seems that we're without a, uh, without a way by sight, but not without a byway. And the byway is that faith, that little dependence on him. And he sees us through. And then it says, uh, cast down, cast down, right? But not destroyed. Cast down, but not destroyed. An enemy is in hot pursuit while the divine defender still stands by and he is not left alone. The translation is he's pursued but he's not abandoned. He's pursued but not abandoned. Okay, and then it's this. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Still more vivid and dramatic, the enemy has overtaken him, has struck him, struck him down, has knocked him down, but it's not a fatal blow. He's able to rise again. The translation is, he's overthrown, but not overcome. Why? Because these are all the experiences of weakness. These are all the experiences of these fragile clay jars. But we get through all of it because we have this treasure. We have this treasure that's inside. And now what? Now it seems to be even death itself. Certain circumstances and situations, it would even seem to be death itself. But he doesn't die. We don't die. Why? Because the life of Jesus also now comes to our aid. He's our life. And he lives and gives us the privilege, and this is what it means to receive power from him, and we'll close with this. This is what it means for us to continually go to him every moment and receive power. That power, it gives us power to live in the life of another. And that another is Jesus Christ. He gives us the power of that life to live in another until our work is done here on earth. Until he's done doing a work in us and he's done doing in and through us a work for others. 
We are to live. Our whole life is Christ. It's to live in the power of another. To them he gave, but as many as would receive him is rejected and hated and despised as he was. He still, and to this day, to this moment, he still despised and rejected by the overwhelming majority, but as many, especially us as his, is continually receive, receive him. And what does it mean to receive him? You and I can't do it. What does he have to do to continually convince us that we can't do it? We can't do it. But as many as would continue to receive them, he continued to give us power, right, and authority to receive what's only in him that's not in ourself, but continually receive it. And what do we live in? A continual deliverance. It's continual. A continual deliverance. So, Lord, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that when we're weak, we don't want to try and do something about the weakness. We want to just receive so that it does not lead to the sin that will easily trip us up. But we're going to look away in Hebrews 12, verse 2. We ought to look away. Look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. We ought to have eyes only for him. Only for him. He's our all. He's everything. In Jesus' name, amen.